beat begin. The Donald is here, and it's time to cash in. The pearls, they don't stack up. They call it a hacker. Frank out the boats, and we'll instigate a lockup. Get up, stand up, throw your tiny hands up. When the dollar's failing, blame it all on Asia. If you got a beard, Joe, we're sending you to Gitmo. Gotta build my wall and build it to Jamaica. Tweeting, trending, the Dems I'm offended. Buying up nukes like the whole world is ending. Putin and Farage, by my side, it's all right on the night. If you happen to be white, I'm taking you down. I'm taking you down. So until I'm in peace, trip around. Trip around. Trip around. Trip around. Trump up, Trump up, and get down. Trump, 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 Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. Bill, today is, we're post-Valentine's Day. We're two days past. And, right. and our, we, pre- our president gave us a great big heart today. We were going to talk about <laughs> science. We had two very learned articles we are going to talk about. Yeah, but and they're good science articles. And we will talk about We will about talk about it next time. But this is very, uh, I, th- today was, I'll tell you what, that's good television. <laughs> I think when you, you, uh, and I were texting back and forth. I said I had to double check it wasn't HBO, that I wasn't watching some sort of uh, docudrama. Yeah, I forget who Lindy was saying was on NPR. But they were screenwriters and they said it wasn't Western. I forget what it was, but they were like, we could never have written a character like this because they were like, it's so unbelievable. So here's the question when they do the movie, uh, the, mad, you know, the Madness of King Donald I, who plays, who plays Donald Trump? Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that's kind of a character. We need to maybe Daniel Day Lewis becomes him. <laughs> but he's he's a method actor though, so he's like. Well, how would he, how would you become Donald? What would you have to do for? But you know, I mean, he does. He's one of those guys that basically like he's at the craft service table eating oh. yogurt and you're Mr. Lincoln. So then I'm like, well, how can you eat a yogurt in a thing if you're Mr. Lincoln? Well, what is this new fangled device? I mean, like that's the thing. Method actors fascinate me because yeah, it yeah. seems like there's an inherent contradiction. Like, if you're using, like, modern toilet paper, are you really a method actor? <laughs> I have to admit, when I read, I, when I read Lincoln's speeches now, I, I do hear his voice. I mean, that was, uh, that was an amazing performance. So uh, that could be a good poll. It's a shame we're not like we put the poll up there. What, who would be who – who will play Donald Trump? We could and, just put it on our Facebook and yeah, just ask and the, for and suggestions. The, and, uh, yeah, ask for suggestions. So Daniel Day-Lewis, what would you do for six months to prepare to be Donald Trump? I'd – Eat at McDonald's every day. Um, there are a lot of strip clubs. A lot of strip clubs. <laughs> well, you probably don't have to go to strip. You probably you, you, just, you have them. You're ordering in. Yeah, ordering in. It's probably yeah. It's takeout strip clubs. So it was a it was a well. It's what's you know what's so amazing is there's so much stuff going on. It's like a fire hose, and uh, you know, I mean, some people speculate. All right, was all this ruse today to try to get us off the Russia? Thing. By the way, I, and that whole sequence I'm talking about about Russia would be was just it was remarkable. Remarkable. I don't know anybody from Russia. I don't talk. I, the best thing I could do is blow up that Russian ship. I mean, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's what I could do. I mean, that would be the best thing. And they'd say, "Oh, it's great. Trump is great. He blows up the ship." But you know, that's not. I'm being smart. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember the last president who blew up a Russian spy ship. The thing, too, that I, I find, like, fascinating, I love it, is the gold curtains. It just looks like gaudy Atlantic City Casino. I love the gaudiness. Uh, you know, there's this uh, guy I do way back in high school. 
fundamentalist Christian right wing guy. And, you know, the only thing he took out of the press conference was finally someone's going after Iran. <laughs> <laughs> I love him, McCain, uh, when he, in 2008. They were like, you know, what do you think we should do about Iran? And McCain was like, What's that beat? And he's kind of like that angry. What's that beach voice song? Bam, 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 Iran. Bam, bam, bam. But, you know, again, we, I think every time we have an opportunity, uh, who are our superheroes right now? John McCain and Lindsey Graham. The entire they, they Republic be, stands they, on their shoulders. They would be great like Batman and Robin in <laughs> tights running around the Capitol. <laughs> Doing their own little Watergate operations. Uh, it is. It's uh, they. They may be the only thing standing between the uh, us and a uh, uh, collapse of the republic. It's pretty, pretty kind of like Cicero and uh, and Brutus. My favorite scene in that movie, Game <laughs> Change, is when they have like John McCain and Lindsey Graham and um, uh, Joe um, Joe Mantum. Joe, Joe um, come on, who is Al Gore's vice president? Why can't Joe? Uh, oh. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Joe from uh, he was a senator. From like, this is this is why he didn't. Right, we can't, he didn't go here. The uh, Jewish senator Joe yeah. um, Lieberman. Joe Lieberman, right? There he Lieber. is. Sorry. So, so there Joe Lieberman. So they're all watching, like they're all laughing, like fourth grade or middle school kids, and like they're watching that YouTube video where the, John Edwards is getting his hair done, and somebody YouTubed it. It took like five minutes for him to get his hair blown and sprayed. They're just like. And in the background, I'm so pretty. <laughs> and they're just like laughing like middle school kids. It's no, like the best piece of footage. That is a great book. It's a great book, great movie. Yeah, I don't even know. It's. Uh, I mean, it was funny watching, like you and I both like Chuck Todd. We think he's fair. Good, yeah, good, good journalist. And he was exasperated. I yeah. mean, he was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, the other thing I just liked when they, when the uh, reporter, they went to try to get someone, one, some Republican uh, to talk about the uh, press conference. And uh, they couldn't find any Republican who said they'd actually watched it. They were all hiding. <laughs> yeah, even the Democrat. I mean, not a lot. I mean, it's very interesting. Like, the, 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 what do you do with it? Because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, we shouldn't carry it live. I, I'm like, I, it's such good television. I'm like, you should mandate it. Everybody's Facebook should be taken over by that. It's such great television. I like, I cannot stop watching it. I love, well, of course, and of course, we could do the Putin option. Where he, he Putin has directed all the media, no too much Trump. No yeah, more Trump. exactly, exactly. <laughs> He's out Putining me. Right. Well, uh, in the midst of all this, there's like some really serious stuff going on, and uh, I posted a piece today uh, in response to uh, th- this press conference. You can of, find this at residentexile.com. Yeah this 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 post this press conference kind of overshadows, but some remarkable moments that happened in yesterday when. Donald Trump and uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu did a combined press conference. The best part of that whole press conference was like, you know, I think we can make possibly a very good deal, right? Oh, we'll see. He's not very hopeful. <laughs> He's a good negotiator. And Netanyahu goes, it's the art of the deal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was so awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, I think Netanyahu may just stay here because he could go. He, he might get end up in jail back in Israel. He's being investigated for some... I mean, he's had such a shady past anyway, and it might finally be catching up to him. It's the art of the deal. Uh, yeah, but what was— By re- the way, isn't that Nyanhu from New Jersey? No. Well, I don't— he, I mean, he went to school here. He went to school, and, and he lived in suburban 
Philadelphia. Or Suburban Philadelphia, right. Chatham, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Chatham, 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 right, right, right. right. Yeah, and, with uh, Mark Levin. Mark Levin knew him. And he did a, um, did a, has a, he's a smart guy. He did a degree at MIT as well, I think. Yeah, he's, he's kind of this guy, like, he's a Shakespearean character. The guy didn't, you know, the golden brother died in the raid on Entebbe and, you know, the father loved the other son better and, you know, it's just BB. His life has been uh, just one kind of thing after another. He's an interesting guy. Uh, you know, uh, yesterday in the press conference, there was some, I, I, and in my article I, or in my little editorial, why is his nickname BB? I don't know. Maybe that has to. That's that's how it. Uh, it's a that's a Jewish nickname for Benjamin. Maybe that would be my guess. That's like I didn't know. Uh, my friend Duo Dickinson. That is that's the shorthand for the second. Oh, maybe like that, if you're a well, junior, right, and then that's what it is. Uh, yeah. And then um, trip. If you're like you hear this guy named trip. Trip is the third, third right? Yeah. So it could that's, be a preppy Jewish thing. These are things. Together. If you came over in the Mayflower, yeah, yeah. My people came over under the Mayflower. There you I go. Get it, Bill. We need barnacles in this life too. Hey, we do. Let's <laughs> take like, like that line in Caddyshack where Danny's walking. He's like. I just don't know if I, I can afford to go to college, Judge Mills. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. <laughs> <laughs> you should play with Dr. Beepers and I. He's club and club champion three years in a row, and I'm no slouch. <laughs> don't sell yourself short, Judge. You're a tremendous slouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So in the midst of the interview, and there was some, or in the press conference, there were some good, I mean, there were some good things. He did kind of say, it was kind of hilarious, you know, of all the, you know, all the consternation around the uh, settlement, building and the settlements. And Trump looks over and goes, uh, I think we should hold off. You want to hold off on the settlements a little bit? <laughs> he looks over at him. Can we do that? Are you okay with that? Can we slow down on that Can one? we hold off on the settlements? <laughs> But then he got to the point where uh, he talked about the two-state solution. And I think I need to quote him verbatim on this one because uh, – Verbatio this, yeah, in the Latin. Is, yes. This is, uh, this is exactly from the transcript. I just want our listeners to know that that does not mean verbatim in Latin. If anybody thought I knew that, <laughs> it does not. Verbatio is not he's verbatim. Just making, he's just – he's rifting. That's jazz Latin. That was literally from a couple of episodes ago. That was bullshit. <laughs> if it is verbatio, it was not intentional. There we go. So then one point Trump said this. So I'm looking at two state and one state. And I like the one that both parties like. And the crowd laughs. I'm very happy with the one that both parties like. I can live with either one. I thought for a while the two state looked like it might be easier of the two. But honestly, if Bibi and if the Palestinians, if Israel and the Palestinians are happy, I'm happy with the one they like the best. Well, first of all, no one's happy right now in the Middle East. The art of the deal. Yeah. And uh, to be that kind of uh, flippant, I, I mean, the Arab street must be going crazy. I know people are very upset in Israel, uh, both on the Palestinian and Israeli side. The AJC, who's been trying to be very, you know, they're a, you know, they're a very broad blanket organization in the American Jewish community. The president of AJC came out and started out saying, it's good to see that the president and prime minister have such good chemistry. I mean, it's all being nice. And then he goes, what the hell happened? (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what he says. And to be flippant about a one-state, two-state. And and let me be very clear. And I – I, this is particularly any Christian Zionist, all three of you who might listen to our podcast. Uh, this is what is at stake when you say 
that God blessed uh, Israel by having Donald Trump be elected. And I know many of you said this, and shame on you. But anyway. Let me tell you, I've always been a one-state guy. Growing up in New Jersey, a lot of people in North Jersey that said North and South Jersey should be two separate states. And I was always favoring for New Jersey a one-state solution. By the way, I lived in South Jersey, and they are two states. They just don't know. Although a lot of revenue comes in from Atlantic City. Yeah, at any rate. Um, this is this is what happens, and I say this in the art in, in what I wrote as well. There are only two. I thought you almost were going to say I say this in the art of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> My ghostwriters and I are exchanged. So I can't say it anymore. <laughs> the art of the deal. When, 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 it was almost like being that I was doing shtick. He looks over the art of the deal. Oh, like, <laughs> like, I was like, look, I have my Mel Brooks moment. I'm funny now. Oh. The art of the deal. Oh, yeah. BB, he's just so full of him. He's so happy. He says, I have someone who likes me. They really, really do like me. <laughs> and Sarah, I used to end up BB's wife. She's been lovely to Melania. Oh my gosh, which wife is this? For BB? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This is the most recent one. Okay. Um, but at any rate, um, so this is what happens if you have a one-state solution. Okay. If it's a true democracy, and again, uh, arguably, uh, Israel is the only democracy, true democracy democracy in the region. So, And that's core to the Zionist ideals of what the nation was founded upon. If it's truly going to uphold its democratic ideals and it's one state and everyone's a full citizen— then it will no longer be a Jewish state because if they encompass the West Bank into the citizenry of Israel, the Jews will be greatly outnumbered by non-Jews. The other option, if it's a one state, is that somehow if you want to stay a Jewish state, you have to make a second-class citizenry of all the Palestinians. And for years, this unjust criticism that Israel is an apartheid state would actually become true if you did that. So the problem with the one-state solution is that that's where it ends up. Now, the problem with the two-state solution is there's no way in the world it can happen right now because of just all the obstacles. But it's one. What that, about a three-state solution where you have like the hardcore on both sides and then the muddled middle in a sort of just that has about the voting participation <laughs> right. percentage of America. Right, no, I mean... <laughs> the, the Amer- America on the West Bank or something. I mean, as strange as American politics are, uh, Israeli politics are so complicated and so strange. I'm sure there's some version of that out there. And there's, you know, the reality that somehow, uh, because of just how close everything is, I mean, I've been, you know, <laughs> you can you can sit on a hillside in what is the West Bank and shoot at an airplane with a, you know, with a BB gun almost uh, in in uh, coming in from to Ben Gurion, so the, there's a lot of. Complica- what would a BB gun do to an airplane? Uh, not much, not much. I mean, you could shoot at it, but you're not you saying you're you not could doing hit much it. Damage. I do. This is my West, West. I was grew up in West Virginia. I was born there anyway, and there was a drought, and so people in West Virginia was was sure that it was the airplanes cutting through the clouds that was causing the drought. So they started shooting at airplanes with deer rifles. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and Patton shot down the airplane with a gun. At least George C. Scott did. But uh, I we digress. But the truth is that it's a, it, right now it, it's not conducive for there to be a, a fully functioning two states. I, I'm aware of that. And particularly with the instability of, of what's going on in Syria with ISIS, what happens once Syria, the thing is settled and Hezbollah has free time again? Uh, the day after there was a, you know, there would be a separate Palestinian state. You would have ISIS. You would have Hamas there. You have Hamas there already. So, 
I understand the reticence and why it's impractical. But frankly, when I was over there a couple of years ago, uh, the Palestinian Authority, the Jordanians and the Israelis were functioning behind the scenes really closely together. Uh, periodically, Netanyahu does something stupid for his political base, and that gets tense. But there's all kinds of cooperation already going on. There could be – and that's what what a, a two-state solution would look like. There would be all kinds of cooperation. It would probably be a demilitarized kind of thing. But for all intents and purposes, the Palestinian Authority is governing in the West Bank now, and there's great cooperation between the Israeli Defense Forces and the Palestinian Police Forces and the Jordanians. And this is one good thing your taxpayers are doing money is doing trying to help that happen. That's all very quiet for a lot of different reasons, but I've, I've been there and I've seen it going on and I've heard people on all sides say it's going on. But the bigger problem is, is that one of the most divisive and one of the most central issues of going back even, you know, I mean, obviously back to the Reagan administration, that Donald Trump demonstrated he doesn't have any kind of grasp on the complexity of the situation and making flippant statements like that has repercussions in Israel and in the Arab street. And I, it's just inconceivable that our president, people get killed uh, because of this kind of flippancy. I, so have it, you read his Twitter? I don't think it's inconceivable. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, all right, all right. It's like Princess Pride. I don't think you say that word a lot. I don't think uh, you know what it means. <laughs> inconceivable. That's right. Periodic, all right. I'm sorry. Periodically, I go, I, I drift back into my idealized reality world. Yeah. We don't live in that world anymore. So, and, and even his statements about anti-Semitism, when he was asked about that. Bill, 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 hey. He's the most anti-Semitic person you've ever seen. So you are more anti-Semitic According than him. To Donald Trump. By definition, it's an analytic statement. It, it, by definition, well, actually it's synthetic because he's saying we've ever seen it. We could dispute it, but right. I guess it's a, technically it's a synthetic but can statement. I, can I just say the fact that there is an increase of bomb threats to Jewish centers across the country, that's not about – you, Donald Trump. <laughs> so when we ask about the increase of anti-Semitism, everything is not actually about you. And the, tra- and the fact is that there's something going on in this country that taps into some of that base, that anti-Semitic base. And again, he I- had a huge victory, 306. They only said he could get 220. <laughs> Two electoral votes. What about he got three hundred and six? Did, did you read what what he said about CNN that they should be more straight? <laughs> he actually said that CNN, horrible news station. They're, they're uh, you know the ratings are down. They should be more straight. So by that it was double entendre, straight up truth, and also less Anderson Cooper. <laughs> yeah, I, it's um, it's remarkable, and I don't, I, I actually don't think he's an intentional bigot. I don't believe at all he's an anti-Semitic. And my guess is he's pretty progressive on gay and lesbian issues, but uh, there have been a lot of cross devil deals made in this in this in this White House and in this election. And uh, I think what we witnessed yesterday and today is unprecedented and and <laughs> hilarious and uh, tragic and unsettling. Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper are like best friends and they hang out a lot. Also with um, Kelly Ripa. Like that's like they're like a trio. <laughs> I wish I was their friend. That would be an interesting I wish my group. life was less straight in that regard. That, <laughs> I, that's a crew I would like to regularly hang out there with. There we go. They should do a road show, Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper together. Like, like it's just on stage at a theater and you go and they do like, it's great. I mean, like I, I haven't seen it, but I mean, I hear it's great. I would go see it. If yeah. any of our listeners want to go see it, want to buy me a ticket, if you're in the tri-state area, <laughs> I, I would even count Virginia. 
in yeah. Maryland. Yeah, no, we would drive. We would we do road trip. Go. We, we would do a road, road trip. trip. Yeah. So what? Uh, where are we? I mean, um, has he committed any impeachable offense that we know of? Uh, the thing about impeachment, though, it's because that's what's let's that's all subjective, right? Like because right. Congress has to say we decide it's impeachable. So that only happened twice when I mean that I, right only and and then no everyone Andrew Johnson and Clinton beat the rap right but he, the, the thing is like that is dependent on when he annoys the Republicans enough because there's a majority right at some point I mean it's not that I mean it w- it would be nice if like we had a political system where like we just you know I right, committed impeachable offense so let's talk about what the process is like here we go. But like that's just—it's more like, well, do we want to work with Pence yet or not? Yeah, that has to be—it has to be extreme. But I do think, for instance, uh, the fact that Republicans bailed on his uh, on his labor secretary—we're not going to get the former president of Hardee's to be to be <laughs> the guy who said he wished he could replace his workers with robots. Don't underestimate the power of Oprah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the fact is, it probably was that video from Oprah that brought him Look, down. She might not be able to launch a successful cable TV channel, but she can torpedo <laughs> <laughs> like an ambiguous but, labor secretary and, candidate. And it was hilarious how this this film clip of his uh, of a former wife of his that he had beaten up. Uh, it's it's amazing how they had private screenings with congressmen. It sounded which, in fairness to him, she recanted. Uh, I mean, she never yeah, right, I mean, it was right. a very controversial divorce thing. It was very uh, so she did whether or not that's true. I don't know. I, I think actually what also might have hurt him is the fact that he said, I ha- my employees are the worst of the worst that I have to deal with. And it'd be better if we could replace replace most repl- employees with robots. <laughs> so basically when you're against the minimum wage. Right. You're against and you you're ha- against humans and you working, ha- and working, you, work, and working, working, working. You, you're against, you're I'm not against humans. Just humans in my workforce. <laughs> uh, you may have beaten a former wife, and also you had an undocumented um, nanny or somebody working for your housekeeper. So she was a dreamer. <laughs> so those things are combinations. That's all happened. I mean, it, this week began right with uh, the national security director resigning uh, or being fired, depending on which day, which version. <laughs> yeah, which I mean. <laughs> uh, by the way, can I also just say, you know, Ben. When you fire somebody, you can't then go say, I think you treated him very unfairly. <laughs> you know, in other words, you can't fire someone and then blame someone else for firing them. I can't or one can't or, right, or the right. Donald can't. Right, right. Because now, I guess it, Don, there's a, there's a, a different a, rule. Apparently the Donald can. <laughs> the art of the deal. <laughs> that that was the best part of the press conference. The art of the deal. Like, I mean, it was just the best part of the whole press conference. Oh, my gosh. I wish he would. I'll tell you what. If he would do that every day, I think his poll numbers would go up. Just because people are like, well, you know what? Daytime TV sucks in general. It's all local crime and cooking shows, and this is quality daytime <laughs> television. Right. Quality. So maybe BB's stay hanging around to be the new national security director. Maybe that would be a better gig for him. That could be. That's could be going on as well. So anyway, this is the state of our country, friends, and uh, uh, and the fact is that um, it, it is um, it is a fascinating time we live in and i i i think uh the the harder thing i think uh, for those of you who still support donald trump um not only may god have mercy on your soul but also you have to also stop just justifying your vote i think you have to find out what your core values are including the defense of the constitution 
and on to those. those. Those of us who never liked a guy were shocked that he got elected and are horrified at what he's done. I think we still, like I said in an earlier episode, we do have to, uh, you know, keep the powder dry, as they would say, in the Revolutionary War and, and uh, you know, choose our battles because this is happening. This is Fast and Furious, Part 7. Day 25. Yeah. So I want to read something from Matthew Medevella. So I don't know that I'm getting his name right, but this appeared on February 8th on Mockingbird's website. It's called Letters from a Hospice Chaplain in Las Vegas. Now, if you're going to be a hospice chaplain, which seems like hard work, do it in Las Vegas. (laughs) He says, um, I can hear Paul's voice echoing down to American Christians saying, is Christ divided? Was, Was Rachel Maddow crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Rush Limbaugh? Politics is too often turned up to a volume where it seems like a matter of life and death. It isn't. In actual life and death situations, politics fall flat. And earlier he talked about how people never talk about this kind of stuff when they're dying. Right. Um, it sounds silly. There isn't liberal dying or conservative dying. People's deepest needs involve belonging, being loved, having some sense of purpose, experiencing a hope to get through the junk that they have to deal with. Jesus, not any kind of idea or opinion, pulls us back from the abyss. That experience of being loved, valued, approved, blessed, strengthened, and given life from the crucified one who has bled and suffered with me saves my life. When I share the gospel, I want to share that experience. I want to share a message that actually is an urgent matter of life and death. But I'm not arguing against the sermon getting political. Indeed, preaching and hearing the gospel without entanglements in the law is the most political thing we can do. This is not because the gospel encourages us to be better people or because it results in a better world, but because the gospel confers upon us a real citizenship in a better world that is done deal already, it is finished. In this world, we are freed from the burdens of being the righteous ones. We don't need to be woke. We're liberated from the need to be right. It's okay if we are not the ones who have the best plans for carrying out God's preferred future. The job has been taken. Future candidates without nails in their hands and crosses on their back just won't be considered free free of our own self-appointed righteousness. Politics can actually be about politics again. And I think that that's... Like when everything is political, then nothing is political. And I feel like on some level, you're right. I mean, the powder being dry. And I mean, I guess we pray for the grace that like we can actually consider the goods we have in common, like Aristotle would say, instead of identity politics, which is reduced to our only identity being political. Yeah. And and I think that's a failed project. I mean, I think part of Donald Trump exists in part because of the failure of not only the right, but the left. And, um, um, but those are particularly historically dangerous times. And um, so as people of faith, we hold on to what's ultimate. But um, Brother Bonhoeffer told us sometimes we have to deal with mitigated truths. And right here, we're dealing with it in the bunker. Nothing's wrong What I 
Nothing's wrong. 